Welcome back on this lucky Thursday or weekly podcast. Um, it's myself, Declan, joined by Quinny. It's the morning after the night before, Celtic 3, Livingston 0. Quinny, our usual recording on a Thursday here, going out tomorrow. Um, another three points ticked off. We're getting close to, to 25 games. We'll play our 25th game in the league campaign on Sunday at McDermott Park. Um, we're getting to that real business end of the season, if you will. Um, but lucky Celtic um, continue on, don't they? Yeah, we love a wee bit of midweek luck. It was um, it was great. I'm still actually kind of waiting for the second half to start, if I'm honest with you. Um, <laughs> you know, it was a uh, yeah, very good game, very good three points, and yeah, very, very, very lucky first half uh, we had. And um, yeah, uh, yeah, great, great uh, momentum we're taking into this part of the season. You know, we were just chatting before coming on, but there's a fantastic statistic as well going around for the amount of clean sheets we've racked up as well. I think it's like over the last five or six games or something. Yeah, I think that's six six clean sheets in a row, which is something that was creeping into our game. A wee bit maybe complacency, you could say, towards that kind of back end of fixtures in the first part of the season. They were a wee bit leaky at the back. You know, you remember Dundee United, Rose County, a few other teams uh, managing to get in the score sheet against us. At Celtic Park, but that's certainly something we seem to have cut out. Um, and totally. I, everything just seems to be coming together just now, which which is really promising. And of course, as we say, that you always need that wee slice of luck, don't you? And, and both you and I, big fans of the the verve, and it was great to hear that at Celtic Park <laughs> last night. Um, the, the DJ could also fire a wee bit of Emerson Lake and Palmer, and we've, we've got lucky man there too. So there's plenty of good chance yeah. to to pick from with the the, the term looks. Considered, but we weren't too lucky last night when the Levy managers coming out saying they would uh, book an Uber at half time if we could have. So we must have been doing something right after we get some praise from David Martindale. Um, but we won't start with, with David Martindale because we're a Celtic podcast and we want to talk about the hoops. Um, Quinny, first off the bat, January transfer window has now closed. We spoke last week after Celtic had completed the signing of Ohiungu. Um, I think we were all delighted with that signing coming in. Georges Giacomakis has likely replacement. Um, or being Giacomakis' replacement, obviously, hasn't departed the building as of yet, officially. It looks as if it is all but done. I've seen photographs of him at the airport. Um, on two separate occasions with two separate clubs, it looks as if he's going to go and off to MLS side Atlanta. You spoke about them last week. You was a wee bit of insight into them. Just as a whole, first, Quinny, before we kind of pick apart January, uh, incomings, outgoings. What what was your whole take in Celtic's business during this January? Again, like knocked out of the park. I think I don't think we've really missed a beat with, with any of it. You know, but the guys that brought in that were brought in early, we've, we've spoke to them, we've spoke about them to death. It was good for me. I, I got to see a lot for a couple of minutes last night. Didn't really have much of anything to go on. You know, but like it's good to see him uh, in the flesh, as it were. And yeah, I don't really think you can. I, I think how we handled the yen situation and the Abelgard situation was both uh, quite professional and quite uh, like clinical. You know, mm -hmm. how we did manage to get ourselves out of those situations um, by the end of the window. And it seems for the, the best for all parties involved. You know, Jens went straight into the team at the weekend for Schalke and played. And I think Abelgard won't be too far behind at Verona either in that respect, if, if they're kind of match fit, of course. Um, so from an out, out, incomings and an outgoings perspective, like, yeah, there was nothing really... Like we kind of mentioned, like, with some of the guys that are kind of hanging about still in the in the ether. Some of them might still move because some of these non-EU uh, countries, their windows are a bit different to ours, so some guys leaving is still possible. Yeah. But it was all the good main incomings coming in, you know, the guys that came in early, of course, like we mentioned, but seeing O now coming off the bench two games in a row without hesitation from the manager, it must be said, um, is a very promising sign already. Absolutely. I imagine he'll be in the mix for the game away to St. Johnston and possibly the cup game against St. Murn might be a real good chance for him to get a real good chunk of minutes under his belt. Um, you know, whether that's 60 minutes or, or, or not. But again, he needs to, to shift Kyogo and, and doing that, who again, on the score sheet last night, we'll get into talk about him. I think you're spot on, Quinny, about what you say about Moritz Shane and Oliver Abelgard. Um, both brought in, we spoke last week, whether it was as a, a kind of stopgap until we got the players that we, we definitely wanted in. Obviously, that being Yuki Kobayashi and Timoki Iwata, where we've got that business done. And we've been clinical, but we've said to the two of them, listen, you've came here to play football, we can't offer you that football now, it's best you move on. They went to two fairly decent sides, two great leagues, it must be said, in yeah. Bundesliga and Serie A, um, and it'll be interesting to see how both both those guys um, get on. Moritz Schenk, certainly more than Oliver Abelgaard, played his part in this season, he'll, he'll be 
eligible for a, a league winners medal. So um, if Celtic nice. win win the league, um, we're, we're nine points good at this point in time. We're looking at a, a good position to do that. So it'll be nice if, if Celtic do. Uh, retain the title that we, we maybe see the big man back because we deserve of that you know for the, the amount of appearances he made um, during that first part of the season we had to deal Quinny with two you know major departures in terms of uh, and I say two because it looks as if Yakimakis is all but done and, and Josip Juranovic and, and Yakimakis it wasn't the first high profile players to leave Celtic it must be said under Ange Postecoglou the situation obviously was different and it was two players he had signed um, depart in the club. Obviously, we had Edward Christie Ayer all leaving under Angie's watch. Not much, you know, the manager could do about it. But again, reacted very quickly in this with Juranovic and Yakimakis, who we know were both both important players to his um, last season and this season at points. Um, you know, I think towards the back end of last season, if you don't have Yakimakis, I don't know if you're going to win the league title. Uh, you know, I think that's. I think that's a fair claim to make just because our, yeah. our options were limited and the amount of important goals he scored. But we've reacted, we've brought in Alistair Johnson. And as we touched on there, um, Ohiungu, we've not seen too much of him yet because he's still getting up to speed, I think. But it looks promising. Um, and again, we spoke last week here about you know Chris Sutton coming out and, and speaking about it being a risk. Of course it is. But I'm glad Celtic moved quickly to bring both players in and I'm excited to see how they get on. Johnson looks like a like-for-like replacement in there. Um and we're, we're still to see O completely do it. But in terms of that whole situation, Quinny, I'm fairly happy with it. Um, how about yourself? I say fairly because we're yet to see how they both get on, but I, I'm excited to see how they get on, and I'm happy that we, we move quickly to bring them in. Yeah, and I think like um, the, the like-for-likeness of, you know, Alistair Johnson coming in, we've not really missed a beat. And, you know, the front three is becoming a bit more settled now. We've still got a bit of rotation, of course, but quite clearly, it always has been, right? But undisputedly, Keel goes on most games. Jota, we know, is nailed on if he's fit and available most of the time. And it feels like Maeda has kind of edged out, you know, everyone else over his form recently. So um, it feels like, you know, the, the transfers are coming in into a situation where, you know, for the forwards or even for the guys in defence or whatever, there is good, there's a good bit of synergy there. They've been playing together and we're getting like clean sheets in a row. We're starting to get into the situation where we're scoring three and four goals every game again and being disappointed about it, you know, like not turning up for half the match and still doing that kind of idea. Um, not that we didn't turn up necessarily, you know, but we just didn't put anything away, of course. So I, I think overall, like the squad's in such a great place now. It's such a balance. Like it is, you know, Jackie Marcus has played his role when, um, it is a risk, you know, on paper, losing a guy like that to bring in an unknown um, is a risk, of course. But I think with the how nailed on Kyogo is, the form that Maeda is getting into, and Jota's not really kicked on second half of the season. You know, Jota started the season really well. Obviously, had a bit of time in and out and whatever. But since that, he, you know, he's not he's not had a spell of five or six matches where he's been running no. it. You know, so he, he just really... scored that. Just scored a goal from a ridiculous angle. That's all I've really got out of him so far. Eh? Of course, the header, of course. Yep. Yeah, that was lovely, of course. But, like, that's not... I know exactly what, what you mean. Jota, but, you know, but, yeah. Talking about that consistent run of games, that consistent run of games that we can expect from him and, and everything else he, he does. But, again, we're still very early in this. You know, it, it doesn't actually seem like too long ago we, we drew at Ibrox in the Derby game. And, you know, our... Because we kind of, you know, we went Easter Road and we won the game 4 0, and everybody thought, yeah, we're on a high here. But we'd thrashed St. Johnson before that, and it looked as if the momentum was picking up. We didn't have the draw. It's a 2 0 victory against Kelly. It's a bit, it's not a sticky spell because we're winning games. We get to the final of the cup, but then we start to, to build the momentum again. And we're putting teams away and scoring goals. And again, you're walking away last night, probably disappointed we didn't score more. But that just says everything about this team and what you've came to expect the aggression, the way they want to press teams, the way they want to score goals and what you're bringing off um, the bench. But as you say, you know, with Kyogo, even though we know how big an impact Yakimakis made last season, last night was Kyogo's 18th league goal. You know, he's 21st goal of the, the whole campaign, which is a great record. It's 18 goals and 22 appearances in the league. Fantastic record, as, as I keep saying. I think he's in a real good position. He certainly had 25, possibly 30 goals in the league this season. It's exciting to see how that gets on. Um in terms of other incomings, obviously, you know, we've mentioned Kobayashi there, Iwata. You know, I think we fairly did our business well. There was no late drama on deadline day, whether that was an outgoing no. or an incoming, which is always welcome, I think. Yeah. 
there was no Skepovich or you know any of these kind of guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, the last minute or anything like that. It's, yeah, it's a very different experience nowadays. You know, a lot of those things I think are. I think you know we didn't rule out there could have been something crazy at the last minute, and I don't think you know the manager really ruled it out until maybe the eleventh hour himself. Um, but yeah, like the, the squad's in such a great shape now, and uh, business-wise, I say for, uh, there's nothing. I, I'm kind of yeah. Johnson played great last night as well, and seeing the way he's adapted into the, into the team has been very good to see um, from the the build-up play side of things because mm-hmm. that's a that, that's a big part of that you expect a lot of these guys to come in and struggle with, you know. And yeah, I see from top to bottom, there's you know I, I think it's been a, a resounding success. It's kind of hard to to say stuff about these guys that we've not been seeing already because for Johnson in particular, who has been impressive, and I know UK we've not really seen much of yet, but. Johnson, it feels like he's been here. He has been here for like two months, kind of. Yeah. You know, like he's been around the place for a bit. You know, yeah. so um, it's weird to still think of them as a January signing in some ways. Absolutely, because he arrived, you know, so early in the window, which again was a big part of Celtic's business during this window. Quite that we we were signing guys, you know, in December, early December time, and getting embedded in at Lennox Town before they went on to make the debut, which is obviously why the manager felt comfortable enough to to stick Johnson in for the Derby game. At Ibrox. In terms of other players, you know, some of the kind of the fringe players you would see in the squad, a lot of people towards the back end of the window were probably expecting the squad to be streamlined a bit. And you're kind of bringing guys like, you know, Connor Hazard into that conversation. There was obviously talk around Yusuke Deguchi. I don't know what the situation is with the, the Japanese transfer market, but that's opened later so, than ourselves. Okay. And there's obviously been links to, to Deguchi going back to the J League. Um, and other guys, I think James McCarthy always seems to keep into that conversation just due to his profile and his age and his lack of game time that he gets. And obviously Stephen Welsh was still in that conversation just due to the fact that a couple of weeks ago we got a report saying you know, that Celtic yeah. were willing to listen to offers. But it would appear in certainly Welsh's case to kind of take the, the, the more regular first team player that we've seen this season in that. I think with Yance going out the building, the manager wanted to keep a, a holder. Welsh, would you subscribe to that? Yeah. Um, because, well, I don't know, like, yeah, we definitely don't want to sell him, you know, I don't think there's any two ways about it, but it did feel like there was that, that kind of cry out to get some minutes for these guys, and it sounded like Hazard actually rejected the Ross County thing, I think everyone was kind of like, yeah, this will work, and da 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 and he was like, but why, yeah, why, why do you think that is, Quinny? Do you think that's, you know, I mean, we've seen this boy come in as a young boy, and he's, you know, he's probably the definition almost of a cult hero that he comes in for a few months, <laughs> You know, yeah. he, he plays a blinder in a, a, a cup final penalty shootout, not in the cup final as a whole, because there's, you know, there's a moment in that. I try and block that season out, Quinny, I think, as we all try and do. Um, yeah. And the ball comes in. But listen, he played his part in the cup final shootout, so he basically defines himself as a cult hero at the club. Since then, even towards the second part of that season, he never really kicked on. But he went out to Helsinki, he was player of the year, he won the league in Finland. Do you think there's something at the back of his saying, his head thinking, you know, you know, with Scott Bain and whatever else, Secrets obviously injured us now. I should be challenging in here because we've saw Toby Oliver Yemi, who we know is, you know, there's a lot of potential there and there's been so much chat around him coming up and, and being one in line to, to eventually be a successor to Joe Hart. But do you think that's Hazard thinking there's possibly a future for me here at Celtic or is it that he's thinking another Scottish club, I don't fancy it and he probably be hoping that Helsinki come back in and get him. Yeah, I definitely think he'll be, you know, it's, it's one of these things when players have went abroad and maybe had some success, you know, they're more inclined to keep that kind of side of things open. Like Helsinki is, as I'm sure probably most people would probably gather quite quickly playing Finland. And like Finland out of those Scandinavian countries is probably the worst standing division of them. So if he's had like a good time there, you know, like maybe a Norwegian team comes in for him, like it's a, mm-hmm. maybe get a Champions League qualifier next year or, you know, Rosenberg one of the Swedish teams. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. Or you know, there's other there's other teams that kind of they kind of shop around there, you know. So maybe somebody else has seen them already and made some sort of contact, you know, like I don't know, like a botman team in Germany, like put them in the yeah. reserves or something. Who knows? But yeah, I think he's probably looked at it and went, nah, I don't need to do that, you know. Like I'll probably have some phone calls over the next few weeks. Maybe he does fancy maybe coming to training and trying to see where he can get himself in the pecking order when under the manager with like the situation as you've described it, but. I think overall, he's probably had a taste of first-team football and going abroad and it not being as scary mm-hmm. as maybe, you know, what these people, maybe players anticipate it would be. And he's like, no, I'll just go back there or do something similar. 
it's also a different, you know, situation going from, you know, being a league winner in Finland to, you know, trying to battle it out relegation wise in in, in Dingwall uh, at Ross County. So as you say, Quinn, maybe that taste of you know a different end a, a, a league. He's played just football for us, you know, he's been yeah, up to Ross County absolutely. enough times to know what it's all about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um and saying that if it's anything to do with the cold, I think it'll be actually all right that he's been over there. So I don't think that would have been the off put. But sure. an interesting one. Would we be surprised if he ends up in an emergency loan deal? Probably not. Um, and he's, you know, it's an interesting one to keep an eye on. Um, I, I just think we all have a game going out. You know, Secret's been injured. I don't really know what the timeline is in that. And and Bain kind of been in there. Hazard might be thinking to himself, you know, if I can try and impress enough, there's no reason why. Um, because, you know, Scott Bain, particularly that season, which was the last kind of season we've seen him play, that there wasn't really that much between both of them. Um, yeah. So, uh, it's one to, to, to keep an eye on. In terms of the other guys that I mentioned there, James McCarthy and whatnot, uh, uh, the Gucci's, I see where the Gucci might still think it's possible for him to go to the G League, but McCarthy seems to still be kind of under around the score. It's always interesting the manager kind of picks him out to, to, to mention him, and it's kind of, it starts to make you think about his influence kind of in the background, you know. I'm not at all saying that you should be keeping players under around the club for the influence they have in the dressing room, um, but, you know, when the rebuild happened and he was one of those players that came in, he's obviously got a bit of a profile, a figure. You always hear players mention him in interviews. So he's, he's certainly a, a big part of the dressing room. He's just not, you know, did it in the pitch for Celtic, um, which, yeah. you know, so I kind of missing. a great surprise to anybody. No, I, I think like as you were talking there, like, and uh, I hate to, to spend too much time on something that doesn't play for us, but like, um, it's a, if he could get on the pitch for us and be effective, which he's not going to, there's like six guys in front of him at this point. Um, yeah. And it would be a wee bit like that that kind of effect that Ibrahimovic had on AC Milan a few years ago when he was like 40 and he came back from America to help them win the league, you know. It's that kind that's of thing of the old pro, you know, like that's... That's going to get snipped up according to that comparison. You just know yourself, no, Ibrahimovic and like, McCarthy in the same sense. <laughs> but it's that kind of like the... I, know, I get maybe, what you mean. Yep. The older figure the old, who's been at the, the level where... The younger squad, they're all kind of looking up to him, whatever. But Ibra could go on the pitch and do something. He could score a goal and win a match for them. Exactly. Also, we can't yeah. even get this guy on the bench at this point, you know. But and, and the training ground and the training sessions in particular, then, you know, there is something to be said for the value for that. But, um, yeah, it's probably... But we don't yeah, it's, it's one of these ones where, yeah, it's, we're, we're kind of stuck with it and let's just make the best of it, I think. <laughs> yeah, it, might, it might be that situation too. I, I don't know, you know, who'd be looking at James McCarthy at this particular point in time with the amount of games he's actually played in the, since he arrived at Celtic um, almost two years ago. But we'll leave January transfers there. Um, I'm kind of glad it's all over with because, you know, for weeks, kind of that was always seemed to be talking about on here. It's good to get back to, to talking about the football itself. Um, we'll try and integrate the Dundee United game into chatting about Livingston because there's a lot of similarities in terms of player performances sure. and whatever else. Yeah, yeah. But we'll go to Greg Taylor first. I, I think it's very worth that I mentioned. It was man of the match last night. It's another cracking goal for him. He scored against Livingston in the away game there um, towards the end of October. So that's uh, yes. two and three, I think, for him against Livy, um, which is decent. It's a great strike. You could tell at the weekend though Quinny that you know when he came back Tanner Dice he was a player that hadn't played for a number of weeks but last night certainly back to his best and a real real you know I keep saying this I think he's a real real contender for, for player of the season for us Oh yeah he's definitely a, he's a great shout for it and yeah he was back to his best last night he was everywhere didn't put a foot wrong the whole match and I think a big part of that meant we got actually a, a fantastic performance as well out of Hitati you know I think the knock-on effect to to his game, having a full flying tailor uh, next to him was was blatantly, you know, was was apparent, you know, when because both of those guys, they're you know, they're they're two sides of the pendulum from each other at all times, you know, yeah. and uh, Taylor, yeah, very much a terms of like player of the year standings, very much an unsung kind of contender. I, w- I would agree with you. He's definitely right up there for me. And last night, deserved his goal, played amazingly, didn't put a foot wrong, and. Makes such a big difference. Helps Starfelt as well. Starfelt's looked the last two games. Dundee United Livingston has looked impeccable. You know he's not been caught out. I think he may have been caught out once with like a dodgy pass last night, um, but it's happening less than what it was before Kobayashi came in. So like the competition in that position is obviously intensified. But Taylor coming in, I think Starfelt and Atati last night played great, and he yeah. was a big part of that. As well as that, you know we're speaking about how you know seamless Alistair Johnson coming into the side has been. It's quite incredible to think that, 
you know, Sunday there, um, uh, Tannadice and last night, I think it was only the third time both guys had started a game with each other. Because if you think back to the, the, the game at the turn of the year, Taylor goes off injured. I think a lot is part of the, yeah. you know, the, the opinion that that changed the game a bit. Um, Johnson had been thrown in at the deep end here and they've not had a lot of games to play with each other. And you're starting to see Johnson pick up that inverted fullback role, which, you know, I, I spoke to him about when he signed for the club, about how, you know, he was going to be adapted to that after playing set of half. He played in midfield as a player. You're starting to see him get better at it and better at it. And there's probably at this point in time nobody better at the club that plays fullback than Greg Taylor Taylor and offer to do it. Yeah. And you just see that balance, which I think just brings a whole better stability to the back four. And again, it means that Johnson's, you know, not the only new arrival in the back four. You've got three players there and, and Taylor, Carter, Vickers and, and Starfield that's all been there now. They know the expectation. They've got a goalkeeper and Joe Hart behind them and Johnson just goes in as a right fit and I think it just brings a whole nicer, better balance to the team. Mentioning Taylor scoring in the previous game against Livingston, Quinny, just to throw this one in there. Had to be look back this morning, last season, Celtic against Livingston. We played them three times last season, and Livy got four points off us out of a possible nine. Um, wow. We were the same four points out of a possible nine. We won, obviously, um, no, sorry, Livingston, four points out of a possible nine. They won the game there. Um, yeah, sorry, yeah, I'm right. Four points out of a possible nine, I think, for both teams. Livingston won the, the, the game there early on, if you remember right, 1-0. It was then a 0-0 draw at Celtic Park. I think that's the one that Yakimakis missed a great chance. Um, and and then we beat them... Yeah, yeah, I think so. And uh, yeah, that's correct. It was a penalty. And then uh, we beat them 3 1 through there. So Celtic got four points. Livingston got four points last season. So far this season, Celtic's got the maximum nine points. And we know they've been a team who's been really sticky for us in previous seasons. So it's great to get that kind of hoodoo um, offer back. And again, I think Taylor's performance, you speak about Hitati there. I think Taylor again gave that platform for, for Dyson to go and excel. To, I yeah. think it's just a great um, understanding relationship between both players. To me, it, it's no coincidence that they're both in the score sheet for his last night. You know, again, we had a joke at the start of this about, you know, that this lucky nonsense that is going about. But and you know, short right back when he speaks about the positions that Dyson picks up, there was criticism towards him for, for not being clinical enough. But one thing we couldn't at all have been critical of Dyson for Quinny was always making those runs. And the fact he's always there, you know, I know that's now only a matter of weeks, you know, the, the Kelly game and that game that the balls practically hit off him and went into the net, but you need to be there at the right point in time. And he always totally. does that. That's something I don't think anybody who's maybe been a critic of Dyson, I know me and you were at the other school and I were both big fans of his, but anybody that's maybe been a critic couldn't have criticised that. He's always been that player that's went to the, the very end in terms of his press and he's always wanted to make those runs that are nightmarish for defenders. Yeah, he had a, a great battle with that number 11 as well. I don't think he started the game. I think he must have come on as a sub. So I'm just I know you're talking about. Now. Had a big, yeah. great battle with him. What's his name? Montano, that is. Montano. Um, and, uh, you know, like, we were slagging my that early season's crossing ability, but, like, see the last, like, Livingston, Dundee United. Uh, I know he didn't start um, both those games, of course, but, like, and even the game before it. He's getting really good at these cutbacks, but we're just not really finding people. Like the ball's getting fizzled into such a great area, maybe three or four times a match at this point. Mm -hmm. And it's not even people are missing chances. It's just that you're just unlucky. Nobody's there somewhere on the flight of the ball, you know, when it's firing across the ground. So, like, Maeda is really, like, yeah, I, I make it right because he needs to be, yeah, he needs to be a bit higher up and he can have the confidence to do that. He doesn't need to track back and bail somebody out. When he's yeah. got Taylor and Hattati behind him, he can stay a bit higher and get a bit more of his burst and a bit more of his like juice out of him. Like really in the final 18 yards, attacking into the box. And um, like you say, he then ends up in great positions for great misses and some funny goals and you know, <laughs> uh, some funny misses and some funny goals um, kind of thing. And it kind of balanced itself out last night because he did have a chance or two to, to maybe make a better opportunity for somebody. It didn't quite mm -hmm. happen. Um, I forget exactly. So I was, I was at the game and um, I say sometimes your angle, you can't really tell always who's yeah. touched it last and that kind of stuff, you know. So um, so it was good to see he came away with the game with something to keep his confidence up, keep the form and the tempo going for that front three. Even Kyogo, when he comes off in the 75th minute, he's got a goal in the game. Could have had a hat-trick probably from the chances mm -hmm. I remember, you know. Um, so, yeah. I'm, uh, I, and I think it is a platform kind of thing. And when you, especially when you watch Celtic live in person and you see all the moves that they make that the camera won't catch, you do feel that Starfelt, Carter, Vickers... 
Taylor, Johnson, McGregor. That's the five. And they just mm-hmm. control the half of the pitch. And then the other five have got the freedom with, within their principles, of course, to move into different areas and overlap each other, interlink, make passes and all that stuff. And it's with those platform guys being nailed on and at the top of their game, we can play that way. And that's been something the manager's spoken about is for those attacking players, the, the forwards and the, the attacking midfielders that they are given that platform with the guys behind them who play such a big part in the football that we play. And when you're up against a team like Livingston, Quinny, who you know are going to be, they're going to be really compact, they're going to be tight. We've seen it last night again. They're going to sit in. They didn't have a shot on target last night. It's when you're playing football like that, it doesn't matter because you're going to break it down. You know you'll break it down eventually. And that's been something that the managers installed and I think to all of us is you've always got that belief that if you're needing a late goal go go and get it but when you're playing a team like that you're always going to break them down now um, which, is, which is fantastic to, to get to that point you know you always hear this stuff about oh they get found now and whatever else people will start to, to take hints you know that the manager said I remember at the start of this season when asked about you know teams maybe paying a wee bit more attention to what Celtic do his reply was the generally don't pay attention so he has that confidence and has ability as a coach to go and send 11 players out and do the job which they continue to do. That kind of builds into you know something that has a phenomenal start to, to talk about them. we could probably spend a whole hour in this we won't but we'll spend a good wee bit on it Celtic Park under Ange Postacoglu has been you know a very difficult place for opposition to come to in Scottish football particularly um Celtic have now gone two years and three days when we're recording this and without losing a league match at home at Celtic Park. That was back when St Mern came in the COVID season. They beat us, I think it was 2-1 in the 30th of January 2021. Since then, two years since we we lost a league game at Celtic Park. That is just that first is absolutely ridiculous. It is. It's absolutely wild. And um. That's what we want, but you know, that's a, that's a real hallmark of Celtic is the home form, you know, being a fortress undefeated for huge stretches and multiple fronts. You know, that's the that's the standard, that's the kind of thing we want to get back to. And hearing that stat come out, and you know, I, I booked my I, I got myself down for tickets for last night after you told me the stat beginning of January, I think it was, you know, that or Celtic haven't lost midweek domestically since yeah. April 2016. And as, soon as, you, as soon as you said that to me, I looked at the next home fixture we were going to be midweek for, and I was, I'm getting tickets for that. Yeah. <laughs> that was last night, obviously. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's great to see that, in, you know, maybe since 2016, that's a bit of an unusual statistic. But certainly since under since Angie's been in town, it's great to have that real fortress back in town. And, you know, like Livingston being a, a kind of bit of a bogey team, as it were, last season versus this season, as you say, that's totally changed. Like, there's... There's, there's been a little spell there where maybe not so much at Celtic Park, but certainly most teams in Scotland for the last couple of years definitely always think, well, something might go our way today, and they always think they're kind of in it. But now, when they're playing Celtic, I feel that, you know, I was I was at the game with three other guys, and one of them was saying to me, not a huge football guy, he was saying to me, I think it was at 3-0 in the first half of 40 minutes, he's like, those guys are all done. Like, all the, the whole Livingston team, you could see it all in their body posture. Mm-hmm. They were all Demoralised. Yeah. Yeah. Because they know when they come to Celtic, it's not just, this isn't going to be the cliche, right? It's not just the 11 guys on the pitch, right? But there's five subs that are going to come on. And they are every bit as good and every bit as motivated to make a bigger impression on the match than the guy that they're replacing, you know? So whenever you're playing us, particularly at home, you're literally playing, you know, you've got the the 12th man as the fans. Then you've got like half a team on the bench, five guys extra, you know? So it's like, it's a... It just, make, it just makes it feel such a daunting task for opposition. We can obviously achieve that domestically probably a lot easier. The, you know, the next step is kicking that on, three, four goals every time. And yeah. obviously, you know, we won't get too far ahead of ourselves at that point. I'll stop myself now. <laughs> and, and, we, and we want that, that form, um, you know, in, in the league to, to, I think, to translate over to European football, particularly Champions League. Yeah. It's something we want to get back to because we've seen it before, Quinny, how important that was under... The likes of Martin and Neil and Gordon starting Neil Lennon in the first spell too, you know, in the Champions League that Celtic yep. Park was a difficult place to come to and teams dreaded coming to it. You want that to translate over. We've kicked that on. Um, it's interesting. It, it starts from, you know, the, the, the game that's the last defeat is in the COVID season. There's a lot of teams who would practically probably prefer to play 
away um, from home, but Celtic certainly, you know, enjoy playing at Celtic Park. Um, and if you actually think about how, you know, how much of a disaster that season was, it's, it's kind of, I, I was a wee bit more struck at, you know, that we didn't actually lose a game at Celtic Park um, from late January until the end of the season, how bad Celtic were during that season. But it's a ridiculous stat. And just home record in the league at Celtic Park. It's played 31, won 28, drawn three. Um, and if you probably bring in Scottish Cup games and League Cup games, I can't remember this, but we've not, because we've got to Hamden every single time. Any of the Cup games I've played at Celtic Park, but we've not lost either. So again, fantastic statistic. That all builds into to something else, which I've been banging on about for, for weeks now, because I've just been keeping an eye on it, is that um, it's quite ironic that it's St Mun also, but the defeat early on in the season to St Mun, um, is Celtic's only defeat in the, the previous 56 league matches, when you're talking about form, you know, we're really you know, far away here from 60 20 and it was, you know, he was a great accolade, Brendan Rodgers' side, going 69 games and beaten domestically, that included both cup competitions, of course, um, but there's probably no reason why Celtic probably can't hit, you know, one defeat in 70 games possibly, um, which is you know, pretty similar. Obviously, it just doesn't come at the same running time um, as that, which again, sure. we're talking about form and we were talking about last season, about after we had such a poor start that it basically did have to be impeccable. It's been that one defeat in 56 matches, take the, the home record away from it, is absolutely amazing. Um, and it says everything about the manager, the coaches, the players at the club. It's a ridiculous and phenomenal start that's translating both at home and away from Celtic Park in the league. Yeah, so a lot of luck. So much luck going on there. <laughs> so so lucky to be in this position. Um, but no, man, like, yeah, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and like, <clears throat> yeah, so I think that's a big part of it is like, it's the squad as much as anything as well. Like, because football, as we know, like, when it comes to professional football, it's as much a mental battle as an athletic battle, you know, like, and if teams show up defeated already, you know, mentally, then, you know, that's got something going in your favour right away. And, uh, Celtic Park's always kind of had that fortress, but I think this special kind of sauce we've got there now with Ange that, as I say, you've got, you know, 16 players every game that will do 90 minutes worth of work, even if they only get 20 minutes in the game, <laughs> you know, is, is wild. You know, it's not like anything we've had before. And we knew that was something, um, you know, we came into this that we needed everything to come together. Um, as you just called it, the special sauce and a big part of that special sauce which is important to mention as the supporters. Um, I, I speak there about, you know, teams probably wanting to actually play away from home in the league, but the fans at Celtic Park have been absolutely magnificent since Zanj Postacoglu came to the club. To me, it's no great surprise that that, that dominant spell under him at home in the league comes with, with fans back in the stadium. We're, we're recording this a year on since we scalped Rangers 3-0 at Celtic Park. Hatati's going two goals, Abada getting in the score sheet. It was three going in, you know, six or seven that night, Quinny. And thinking back a, a year ago, you know, the opposition that night wanted the game to be played behind closed doors. It was the first game, first derby game back at Celtic Park since yeah, the pandemic. That. The atmosphere that night was absolutely outrageous. Um, and, you know, a, a year on, that was the, the night that Celtic went back to the top of the table and we've been there to stay since. And that night, the fans played such a big part and good on to get that 3-0 victory. Yeah, that was it. I forgot about all that. They wanted it behind closed doors. Yeah. Nonsense. I forgot that was that game. So funny, isn't it? Um, but yeah, like it's... <laughs> I just kind of help but laugh at that because that's just... I remember all that stuff happening and just thinking, how wild is this that they're actually yeah. trying to get fans not into the stadium? That's just yeah. mental. But yeah, I feel you're on and like... Yeah, I don't think they've. Anyway, I don't, no, sorry, I'm, I'm away to take myself somewhere. I'm not going to go down. No, Declan, no. Sorry, just in terms, just in terms of the fans, though, the, the impact that they make in this team just now under the manager. Yeah, so like that, I, I think Brendan Rodgers and Neil Lennon had great supports from from the fans in really big ways. You know, like mm -hmm. don't get me wrong, like I was at, uh, you know, I went to a lot of the, I went to matches all the time under O'Neill and under Strachan, and the whole the whole stadium was like great and everything. Don't get me wrong, but like. Since like the Lennon Rogers kind of eras, like the you know the fan base in general and everything, so it's now that standing section. Everything's a bit more kind of congregated in, in the corner where the Green Brigade are and, and all that kind of stuff. And I know there's other fan groups. I was right next to the other guys and um, boys yep. in the other corner. Yeah. Yep. Um, when I was before, like, so I, I remember being young and thinking that felt like the whole stadium. 
more than anything. There was always like a couple of guys next to you, they would get a song going, and then there was a couple mm -hmm. of guys in the next section, they'd get their section involved, and then it would kind of go around the place. Um, if that makes sense. So, but so now, like that support, because it's so concentrated as well, like for the place, sometimes like Livingston at home, you could go to a game like that, like I don't know, say 15 years ago, midweek, peeing down with rain or whatever. And like the fans would still be great, probably still the same amount of people in the stadium, maybe similar kind of noise levels overall. Mm -hmm. But last night, that corner and that corner, both of them don't stop singing the whole time. And then if you've got yeah. anyone else who's not feeling it because it's Wednesday night and it's peeing it down, even though we're playing great, you know, maybe not yeah. everyone's in the mood for a for a for a jolly in that sense. Then it, it it keeps the you know it keeps that whole kind of mythos of the club that the the stadium is a vibrant you know um, yeah. fortress the whole way through. Yeah. You know, so the the fans back in the Postacoglu and you know the recent generations have had definitely is is extremely distinct and you know all the players like even when they're on the bench they love going for a warm-up you know like yeah. um because it's you know it's a place to be man paradise no no absolutely is that's it and you know as i say you saw a year ago today how big a part that the fans played that i've spoken about you know carnival atmosphere since then at celtic park trophy day the, the day that we unfurled the flag getting back into the champions league and whatnot other derby games we scalped rangers for now there's been others um and again, you're starting to almost find that these kind of games midweek that you know, would be ones that when you're watching the old highlights DVD back at the end, you would go, oh, I remember that game. Right. It's not maybe, you know, going to Tynecastle and winning 2-1 or going to Petorgan and winning the game, but it's, oh, remember that game? These are actually starting to become ones that are, are standing out in your mind, which, you know, isn't just the team in the park, it's just everything about it, you know, and it's just... Uh, which which says a lot about you know what what Angie's did since he arrived at, at Celtic and and loan me that that continue um just just back on Greg Taylor because I don't think we actually spent enough time on him we did you know mention about him being a possible candidate for Player of the Year but I wanted to bring these quotes in I should have done it earlier on um, but he said yeah. the, the, the manager's predicting a still more to come from Taylor which again is really exciting because we heard him say only. A couple of weeks ago, Quinny about Dyson and Rio that you know he expects them to get even better. This is what the manager says last night after the game. He says, "I can't talk. Uh, I can't talk about before I got here, but since I've been here, he's really embraced the challenge of being a key part of this team. Obviously, the way we play is a little bit different. I think he's embraced that and he's continuing to improve." That's the key for us. We're constantly looking to push our boys to be better. And he's one that's got that appetite to continually ask the questions of how he can improve. I think, again, on nights like tonight, when the opposition are going to try and stop our attacking threats, the ability of other players to pull up in areas where there can be a goal threat and scored goals is important. He's done that on a number of occasions this year, and I think there's more to come from him. Um, that's what the manager said about Greg Taylor. Last night, Quinny, what's uh, what's your thoughts on that? Um, I love it. He's an absolute hero. Like I had to just go and double check it. He is only twenty five. You know, it's quite easily forgotten. I think a lot of people maybe look at Greg Taylor and think he's maybe closer to thirty than what he is, just yeah. because he wasn't ever seen as like a young signing or whatever. You know, but he is only twenty five. He is only getting better, and like yeah, it's hard to imagine. Like no, I don't think anyone could have seen the levels he's got to. At any stage, yeah. like I, I would be surprised if he didn't say he was surprised himself. I'm sure he's a confident guy overall, but like he's he's really exceeded any expectations I've ever seen anyone hold for him over the last like two seasons, especially. Um, and the 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 challenge of being that different type of player, replacing Kieran Tierney, being kind of vice captain in the squad, you know, there's so many things that he's he's kind of taken in his stride and added to his armor, as it were, you know. And he's he's a great he's a great Celtic player, honestly. Like I love I love Taylor. I think every Celtic fan is like, you know, whenever we talk about transfer stuff, no one wants to sign a left back. You know, like no mm. one's even thinking about it. You know, it's not like which was something you know, we were talking about a year ago. You know, people yeah. were talking about that in the January. You know, we need to get a left back and whatever else. But to, to me, if you're going to improve in what you've got there, just now you're going to need to spend a hell of a lot of money to do that. Big time, you know. And um, I think like. Players always want to be valued. Players always want to know that they're an important part of the team and that always helps them. And Taylor, I think, along with Ralston, um, have definitely benefited from the manager probably coming in and giving them a bit of a clean slate versus yeah. maybe what public perception had them as or previous stints or whatever and said, you've got a clean chance. And, you know, he's just grabbed it with both hands and totally changed his career around. And, you know, love seeing that happen for a guy, you know, and especially when they play to such a high level for Celtic, it makes it even better. 
one of the things I like about Taylor, and he's into that mix with, you know, Ralston that you mentioned, Turnbull maybe to a, a lesser extent, I'm going to get on to talk about Callum McGregor very shortly, is that they all went through, you know, that, that horror season for us, and it's yeah. almost as if they've came through it, you know, better for it. Um, not that would have rather that happened, um, but you can see that the, the lessons are there. They don't want to feel that 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 again. Um, I think that's been a big part of that successful ingredients that there's the, the guys that were there that would want to win that league. Um, and Angie's first season had tasted what it was like, which wasn't the case for loads of Celtic players that had been there. They hadn't. They did that and. I think that's a big part of it, but long may it continue for Greg Taylor. Um, as I say, at this point in time, Quinny, he's probably getting my, my vote for player of the year, which is harsh because Kyogo's goals, you know, probably Kyogo will win it, but I just think me Taylor's performances and everything that he gives, that platform thing that we're talking about, I don't think if you've got players like Taylor behind Kyogo that he goes on to score um, all those goals in the campaign. But again, it's not always easy to, to be the man up top, Um banging them in for Celtic so there's certainly a good few players in the mix that's not mentioned Cameron Carter-Vickers Callum McGregor all those consistent performers that we we know and love um, Hatati being another one of those guys too Callum McGregor let's let's talk about him um, at the weekend 400 appearances for Celtic there is absolutely no doubt about it in my mind Quinny that he is a Celtic legend along with his counterpart James Forrest they've both given so much to the club um, and the time they've been there since breaking through from the youth academy, but at 29, there's still so much to come from him. I, I remember Brown getting his jersey that, that McGregor got last night with 400 on it, and you know I, I'm really happy and kind of proud in a way as I, I've spoken about before. He's been one of my favourite players since I was a kid, and it's you know when you kind of grow up with a guy, it's always nice to to see stuff like this. Um, and at 29, there's probably so much left in the tank in terms of medals and appearances and the way he plays football. Um, I imagine he's going to end up finishing his Celtic career by a hell of a lot of appearances. Yeah, like, you know, because like, there's, there's nothing stopping him really at this point. I think we all um, gasped for breath last night when he went down injured for a little bit. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was like a, a head thing or something. You obviously had I'll just, that thing last season. So I can, I can tell you what he says. I'll tell you yeah. just exactly what he says here. I'd, can bring that in here. Um, he, he said on it that uh, where are we? Yep, here we are. Here he, he said that when he was asked whether he was concerned, this is the manager. He says, "I'm worried about all of them, mate. Um, I love them all the same. I don't want any of them to get hurt." And um, but we realised fairly early that he'd got a bang in the nose and a bit of blood was coming out, but it was nothing to worry about. It was fine. Um, I didn't ask him if he had a broken nose. I wouldn't ask him. Um, if he did, he'd be up um there tomorrow for training, no problem. <laughs> Which says everything about Callum McGregor. Yeah, that's brilliant, and uh, yeah, he just totally took it in his stride as well. Like, but I say, everyone did hold uh, hold a breath when they seen it was McGregor that was down because, you know, he is, you know, he's one of our own. Eh? He's like the, he is, he is the fan on the pitch in that respect. And with him being at four hundred appearances already, the the trophy cabinet he's built himself already, and you know, like. We, we, every season we think McGregor's getting better. You know, his roles have kind of changed over the years under different managers and different seasons or whatever. But, you know, he doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. Celtic don't seem to be slowing down anytime soon either. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, when his career comes to an end, it's yeah, he will be very firmly in anyone's best Celtic, probably 11 of all time kind of idea, you know, as a, as a midfielder for accolades, time served, actual ability, you know, all the things that matter. Um, so, yeah, great to see him clocking that up last night. And, uh, you know, I think we were waiting. I think we want to see a few goals come back into his game. You know, he's definitely got that midfield general kind of rolled down to a tee, orchestrates the team oh, very well. But, you know, we want to see some games where he goes, do you know what? I'm going to get into the box on this one, you know, and yeah. overlap and, and break in. So I've, there's more to come from him probably too, you know. But yeah, what a hero, what a guy and great achievement. Yeah, no doubt about it, a club legend. But Quinny, as you said, that there's... That was my, my next question is what, what's been your kind of favourite highlights from McGregor? I was watching back the, the wee kind of real thing that Celtic put together of his goals moment. I, I think for me is when he lifted the, the, the league title towards the end of the season. And I actually remember um, the, the game at Tanadice when we, we won the league up there. I was buying the goal and it was over and you could really see the emotion and the passion in him. You know, due to the fact, I think, yeah. as I say, what he'd experienced the season before and back over as a leader of that team that's fought back, came back to be back at the top. 
that was you know one of my favourite moments in terms of goals. I'm probably always going to go with the the, the goal at Ibrox in the five one game because uh, it, it gets you know he tries to play the ball. It comes off the Rangers defender. Then he managed to get it back to, to Paddy Roberts and he just waits, waits, waits for the angle and sticks it past uh, Fodringham. Any any other ones you want to put in the mix? Remember the goal against Bayern Munich or his cup final goal against Motherwell? It was a peach. Oh, Bayern Munich was the one I was going to say um, yeah. because that was just one of the again when he scores that when you're just like McGregor, oh, you know, yeah. and it was yeah. it gave us it gave us a bit of something at the time with memory serves as well. Um, but no, I, I think my favourite memories of him was really under Rogers, having him playing alongside Brown and a lot of the guys mm-hmm. that we had in good form at, at that time. You know, that was I think my, you know, when I think about oh McGregor at peak, it was really because it felt like Brown did a lot of the stuff that McGregor kind of needs to do now. And uh-huh. McGregor could do other stuff that he doesn't always get a shot of doing these days, you know. But uh, but no, and I think um, you know McGregor's got a good couple of Scotland goals as well that popped to mind as well. You know, like he has yeah. a he's not just a Celtic hero in that respect as well. Um, but in terms of favourite memory, I think lifting the uh, lifting the title with the captain's armband is is a great one to see from him because again, seeing him come through, you know, the club as an academy kid, serving under so many other managers and all the other stuff that we all know about him already to see him. Lifting a title with the armband on was uh, was a good one. It was a big one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and it's great for anybody that's coming through to look up for, for role models. He does it, you know, bang on. You don't hear anything in the press bad about him. He's really the, the definition of a Celtic captain. When you look at, you know, guys of the past, like Billy McNeil and Danny McGrain and whatnot, he's right in that that category and up there with be, be, be top, top professionals and people that, that's played for the club. Um and I'm, I'm hope he's there for the, the whole of his career. Um, because of that wee loan spell, Likewise. I don't think you know, you know, will he be able to count as a one club man for that wee loan spell? I think he is because he's still Aye. a Celtic player. I'll be counting him anyway. Um, and he's given so much to the cause and will continue to go, give so much in terms of appearances and uh, trophies. Um, in terms of one of his midfield counterparts, Quinny, Matt O'Reilly, he'd been rested for a good wee bit. Um, he's been in and out of the team due to the form of Aaron Moy, who we will, we will chat about because uh, Daddy Cool, um, as he's getting known as now as well, worth a, a, a shout here. But in terms of Matt O'Reilly, it's a stunning ball to Kyogo for the goal last night. And he, he looked a, a wee bit like he, he, his old self. I just think he needs to get that goal this season that he's been he's been crying out for. Yeah, it was, it, yeah, he, I, I didn't want to bring him up earlier, but he, the, the real knock on effect from everything we've been speaking about already in terms of, Taylor coming back into form and fitness. The game we got out of Rio last night. It was the first time O'Reilly has had a chance to play in a long time with McGregor in midfield, Rio been in good form, and then having you know a solid back four behind him that wasn't like hodgepodge together. Somebody's injured this yeah. week, and who's playing now, and all that stuff, you know. So, um, and he was eager. He was really eager to to uh, make an impression on the match. It was great to see him get an assist in the end. He's dying for a goal, of course. A few of the stuff, uh, a few of the passes he played were fantastically, you know, he had some good vision for a lot of the balls and a few of them were just maybe just a little bit off. Maybe the run wasn't always made or the wrong run was picked or whatever. But yeah, it's definitely one of the most uh, promising performances I've seen from O'Reilly since the turn of the year. Um, I was really surprised to see him get the minutes uh, last night ahead of Moy. I think Moy probably comes back in for the weekend. But mm-hmm. it's hard to say because we will have like a week off, don't we? Then till the St. Mirren Cup game. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so maybe he doesn't worry about who played 90 minutes last night and stuff like that because they're going to have that midweek but off. But O'Reilly was great to see last night. Um, come off in the 63rd minute and I, I didn't really, to, to be frank, I didn't really even notice him when he came off. I seen the subs, obviously, but like I was more, I was watching, I was watching Gu um, more than um, than Turnbull when he came on. But I didn't really notice that O'Reilly was gone from the match. You know, I don't think Turnbull did anything either. I'm kind of going off on the side here, but... Um, but yeah, good game from from O'Reilly for for O'Shea. Good to see him kind of getting maybe out of second gear and back into third gear. Yeah, uh, and since obviously McGregor returned um, for that Aberdeen game, he carried a lot of the, the load towards the back end of that season due to McGregor's injury and playing in a different position. It's nice to see him take up that kind of more dynamic playmaker role, if you will, uh, rather than playing the pivot. Um, and again, I hope he kicks on. I hope he eventually gets that goal because, you know, he's for his age, I think we all forget that he's he's still you know a young guy. Um, he's only twenty two, so there's still plenty to come from him. I think he you know played a big part in the, the last campaign for us, and he'll continue to do that uh, this season for Celtic. But Aaron Moy, I mentioned him there, Quinny, real important 
player for Celtic, you're, you're hearing people come out and say that they're they're shocked at the level they got. But again, I think something you and I said early on when, when he came in the door was the manager was bringing him in and he knew exactly what he was getting. And, you know, again, we're talking about experienced players in that team. He's played at the very top level too. And he's a great forget to have an address in him. And that's shown in the park. And it's almost as if that World Cup was his pre-season. And he's now came back in and he's really shown his stuff. Yeah, and to, to the extent where it was really surprising to see him not start the game last night because the plaudits have been raining in, his form has been incredible, you know, and yeah, it looks like anyone that was kind of bad mouthing him before he came in, you know, just have a bit of humble pie to be eaten. And I don't think, I think everyone's kind of got past that point now, you know, because when was that? I was looking back there, Hibs, where he got his two goals, that was kind of, when was that? Just before New Year, 28th of December. Yeah. So like he's kind of you know he's that as you say that post World Cup he's come back and he probably feels a bit more like himself you know and in, in, in some other ways as well you know obviously used to live in the UK particularly Scotland used to live up in here, um, and uh, yeah I think like the quality he adds in midfield like is quite is similar to O'Reilly in terms of how he carries himself through the game and what his best attributes are, but he's got like. He's just got that extra kind of 5% of a range, you know, where like, it doesn't really matter where he is on the pitch. If he can see a pass on the other side, he's got the ability on, from what I've seen, to a good extent, both feet to, to play some some balls like that. That really makes such a huge difference. So it's not just that tempo control, but when you've got somebody that can really slice a game open at half a thought, you know, on a counter-attack, away to, you know, Hibs or, you know, all these kind of games and whatever else yeah. it may be, that's real quality that you don't, that, you, you know, like you can buy a really good midfielder to come into this league, but things like that are are very rarely found at, you know, this level, to be quite honest, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. And, you know, we've said due to the, the whole pandemic situation with him that, you know, you'd be paying about six million quid for a player that has quality if he was coming to the league and we got him in a free. Um, and as I say, he he just continues to strive and, and get better for us this season. We're talking about you know player of the year, certainly you know second part. I think he's right up there with the player that's had the biggest impact uh, on his. He's just you know he is cool in midfield. There's nothing that phases him. And when you're up in Tannadice and you're chapping in the door a bit, and you're a bit frustrated getting into the the break at nil nil and whatever else. When you've got figures like that in the park, for some of the guys around them, they're happy giving the ball because they know they'll get it back and they'll get it back in a good area. He just he, he knows. He knows the players around him, and as daft as that may sound, he knows where they want the ball, and it's always at the right time, and, and that just makes a difference. Majority of his goals, obviously, are coming from the penalty spot, but you know he's always in and around those areas where you need him to be, which, again, I think takes a wee bit of the weight off McGregor too, because it, it allows McGregor to push a wee bit further on, but he's been a great addition to the, the, the team this season, and as I say, Quinny, you know, we're talking about, players who've made a big impact second part of the season probably nobody else has made a greater impact apart from probably Dyes and Maeda than Aaron Moy Agreed yeah um, and again I was quite actually surprised to see Maeda start last night I thought he would have probably uh, stuck with Abada just because you know generally oh, I don't know it, 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 great to see Maeda start as well but yeah like um, I think that whole, you know, Aaron Moy, Maeda, you know and the other guys that the managers brought in like Kyogo, the guys that he knows like there seem there, there. That's why apparently why I was so surprised with O'Reilly because it did feel like a lot of those pieces further up the pitch were getting almost cemented in as first names on the team sheet. But you know that's uh, the thing with with Ange's always expect the unexpected. You know Maeda and O'Reilly coming in to start. I definitely think caught a few people by surprise, and that's a big part of you know not just you know the to the form of the squad and everything like that as well. But it is the the, the will of the manager as it were and. It does keep them all on their toes. And that's how I think we're able to get such great form out of so many people that are not guaranteed to start. Because you look at an Aaron Moy, you look at an O'Reilly, a Maeda, you put them in almost any other club in the world. And if they don't start like three games in a row, you'd probably, most other players in these kind of situations then tend to think, oh, well, I'm dropped. I'm not in the starting 11. And that's generally the way it goes out there in the, in the Wild West as it was. But Celtic, these guys like firmly know like where their place is, where they get their minutes, and how valuable they are to the team, whether they start or they come off the bench. Because, like we said before, it's like sixteen players at this point. Um, so I think like once you've, I think because it is more of a collaborative effort, our team, particularly our midfield, because like only one of them, none of them last night get ninety minutes. Generally, yeah. it's only McGregor. Um, yeah. Then you need you need like five of them to be at a good level 
for it to, to to operate. So as much as it's not always apparent, like I think it's a big part of like that um, that competition for places is what really brings it out of them all. Yeah, and the synergy that's in there that one goes out, one comes in, you don't notice it too much. Yeah. I mean, you've got guys like Moy that's taking his, his game to another level. It's only going to naturally kick on guys like O'Reilly and Hitati who are still fairly young players and still, you know, improving and getting better in the game. And last season, you know, if you think back to it, Quinny, it was kind of stuck when it was McGregor, O'Reilly, Hitati in midfield. And that was what yep. played. You've now got those other options. Um which is great. Just to kind of the, the, the last five minutes, we'll look ahead a wee bit to St Johnston. Um, but the manager said last night, you know, he's excited for the rest of the season. Um, I said this last week. We've got a cup final in the horizon. It's less than a month away. We've got a a last uh, fifth round tie, sorry, against St Mern, um, and the cup, which again will be important. Um, going to say last sixteen, it's the same thing, fifth round. But this is what the manager said after the game. Um, he said there is no reason. Uh, or anything that, that should derail us from that focus. We have 14 league games left and we have both cups. This is an exciting part of the year and being in a real good position in terms of we have a really strong squad and guys who are really healthy and hungry to be the best they can be. So why not finish the season really strongly? That That is basically what you're saying there, Quinny. You know, when it, when it comes to players knowing their part and this squad, where they fit in. And again, just looking forward and bringing that into Sunday's conversation, There'll probably be a couple of wee changes uh, again for Sunday, but again, every week we're talking about this, it doesn't really matter who he makes the changes for, because you know who's going to come into the team will do a job for us. Big time. Just wait to check the team that played St. Johnson last time. So it was only that was Christmas a, Eve. That played. was a real... Yeah, well, Christmas Eve, but thinking back to oh, the game... Tati was right back. <laughs> but October time, there was a lot of changes, if you remember, to the team when we left it late. Yakimaka scored that goal really late on. It was... I think one of the first times we'd saw Burnaby for a, a long period of time. O'Reilly, it was the first time we'd seen him in that, that pivot role. For Celtic, McCarthy comes on and he plays his part this season when he gets the ball down the left-hand side to, to Burnaby. Um, if you look back at that team, if you, if you manage to get it up there, Quinny, yeah, yeah. Um, on your laptop, you, you'll see that there's a lot of changes in that team. I don't imagine there'll be as many changes from the team that last went up at McDermott the part as it will be for this one. Haxabanovic started that game. That would be a fun yeah. surprise. Yeah. Um, you know, last time we went up there, Stephen Welsh, like you say. Yeah, so quite a rotated team, actually. Would he do that again? I suppose maybe he could. Um, Don't think so, though. No, I think you'll see something it... similar to Tanadice. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Because um, I don't think... Yeah, I, don't, I don't think... Um, I think all those changes were maybe enforced. Kyogo didn't even play in that game at all. You know, I think... No. I think the back four settled now for the rest of the season, probably. Hart, Johnson, CCV, Starfield, Taylor. You know, I think like he's not really going to mess with that too much. Probably actually might pop in whether it's for the game. It's St. Johnson, maybe St. Martin at home in the cup. I think it's going to be random, random acts of <laughs> rotation yeah. are going to get Yuki in because like I was really hopeful from like other perspectives that Yuki would probably come in and make that left-hand side better with the mm-hmm. passing stuff we spoke about before. I'm not going to bore anyone with it again. But Starfield was really kicked on, like I mentioned, the last two matches. And I don't see... I don't see any of these. Yeah, so I think like I don't think he's going to rotate the defense as much as we've seen him do previously. I think a lot of the defensive rotations we've had have been forced upon us down to guys like you know getting injured and being sick and all the rest of it. You know that's happened this year, World Cups and everything else. Um, so I don't think he wants to rotate the defense for the rest of the season unless necessary until the league's won, and then we might see Rouse get his minutes back up when he's returned from his injury, cup appearances and whatever in UK. Bernabe to probably to an extent Welsh maybe who knows but I think like I don't think he's going to mess around with it now for the rest of the season unless it's, it comes to it so I think he'll probably stick the same midfield's a question because does he go O'Reilly or Moy uh, you know what, what would you go with I, I would go back to Moy just because O'Reilly's played the 60 minute chunk there but again quite happy if you know Moy comes in plays 60 minutes and then O'Reilly's a guy that comes on for him what, what, what's your thoughts on that Quinny I could see that yeah I could see him going back to um, Moy, McGregor and Hattati in midfield and then the front three gives me gives me pause because Maeda got 90 minutes last night and I found that quite interesting from the team mm-hmm. perspective away at Dundee United a bad I get 82 which is mm-hmm. you know quite significant for Celtic normally these guys get subbed off in 65 and whatever if the game's a bit tighter so um, maybe he goes back to a badder and bring him back in but Maeda's form you know he scored how can you drop him but he does that doesn't he and you make play and you, and you, and, <laughs> you know <laughs> You might play for us. You mentioned Dela Haksabanovic too. He's also in the conversation. Yeah. He's not played too many games, so you've certainly plenty uh, to 
to think about getting into that game. By that time, uh, the, the full-time whistle come Quinny, hopefully it's still nine points at the top of the table, maybe even more, and then it's only 13 games to go. We'll have had 25 games in the league. 13 games to go, six of them before the split, five of them after the split. We're putting us in a really good position here. I think the record points um, for Celtic is 106 under Brendan in the Invincible season. We're still on course that if we win every league game, we can get to 109, or if we... we 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 don't um but we can still hit it so we're you know this could be another historical um season but for that um if you've enjoyed it'll be a very lucky season it will be yep it's all about the luck (laughs) um and hopefully we get some luck on here uh if you don't believe in luck please do like the video subscribe to the channel (laughs) quinny as always good to chat to you about celtic will be another game later um, next week when we're chatting about this I'll be another year older as it's my birthday next week so it'll be another game later I'll be another year older and hopefully um, we've got another three points we're looking forward to a, a cup game against St Murn again thanks everybody for your continued support it's great to see the numbers get up in the channel and we'll catch you soon hail hail <laughs>